Welcome to another edition of the Liebert Fitness for All podcast. Of course, always it's sponsored by Liebert Fitness. I'm your host, Cam Jenkins. And today on the show, we have Jason Brader, and he is currently the Director of Sports Performance at Albright College. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Cam. So, Jason, uh, just so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better, can you tell them what your or how your journey led to you in sports performance? Oh, boy. Well, it goes all the way back uh, to my high school days. I was a football player um, from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and I eventually went off. I became an All-American running back in college. And I really enjoyed working out. I enjoyed uh, the physical and mental preparation that was involved in becoming a, an elite athlete. And I always wanted to do something as far as creating a gym or a workout environment that was conducive to creating elite athletes. I wanted something that would work on speed, agility, strength, but most importantly, the mental aspect of training and there was nothing like that around where i'm from so uh the person uh this man ed trained me during my college days and that stuff and he did uh speed agility um and he was the man so basically when i graduated i partnered up with him and i traveled to pittsburgh i worked with pitt's football team and did the speed agility part of the training from there, uh, I got hired to teach psychology. So basically, my college education was in psychology, and I coached track and field. So during that time, I was basically training athletes on the side, creating state champion and national class sprinters and jumpers. And a lot of people were contacting me. They're like, hey, would you train my son? Would you train my daughter? And from there, I basically created fast performance, which stood for functional athletic speed and strength training. And I named it that because I wanted the training to be functional. I wanted it to transfer to the field or court. And I started that inside my basement. And from there, I went to a baseball academy. So I was teaching during the day. And at night, I would coach track and field, do the strength training at the school I taught at. Then I would go to uh, this small spot that I would train these kids. And from there, it expanded. And then it eventually grew to over 5,000 square foot training facility. And I worked with athletes from youth all the way to the other pros. So it became the place to be. So everything that I imagined, it actually eventually became. So it was really exciting, really great. And you mentioned that you went to school for psychology, I believe you said. Yes, yeah. Now, um, can you talk about maybe, because um, I know you've trained lots of, uh, you know, in some professional sports players, and uh, can you talk about maybe the mindset and the psychology behind it and how important that is uh, in today's um, world that uh, is talked a lot about mental health? Yes. So basically when I was a junior and a senior in high school, my, my mom and dad uh, passed away from, from cancer. 
And my background was really rough. I came from a tough past, a tough background. My father was an eighth grade dropout and we were rock bottom poor. During that time, I really was struggling. Um, athletics really kept me in check. And I had a lot of coaches and mentors and friends that really helped me when I lost my mom and my dad. So basically, the mental toughness, being able to push through adversity, that tough, uh, tough guy mentality was something that I fostered from a younger age because I had to. It was like a uh, survival of the fittest type mindset. So when I created my facility, one of the things that I really molded my training around was if you bet against us, you're going to lose just that unshakable mindset. And when the athletes would come to me, I would get a lot of kids that were going through hardships. A lot of parents that came in, they might not have had the money to pay the full freight, but they worked hard. And it made me think about myself growing up and how bad I wanted it. So one of my top athletes, a man named Kevin White, Kevin White was a high school athlete, was pretty good, but he didn't really start to blossom until his senior year in high school. And he called me and said, hey, look, I have my brother and I and I have a few friends that would like to train. And I know that you've worked with a lot of top athletes around where we're at and specifically wide receivers. I would want to come in and train. Kevin comes down. Actually, both of them and a few friends. And right off the bat, this kid had it. He jumped out the roof, had a great physique, six foot three, body chiseled. And he looked at me and said, look, I can't pay the full freight, but we all work at McDonald's. And what we'll do every month, we'll come in here and we'll each pay you $100. And right off the bat, I'm, I'm like, I like this kid. And every month, like clockwork, he would come in, he'd pay $100, and he would line up, and they would say thank you, shake my hand. And then eventually, he was my best salesman. So, so I asked him, I'm like, Kevin, where are you going to college? And he's like, well, I, I didn't have really good grades. I'm, um, so I, I don't have offers, but I'm, I'm willing to work. So I'm looking at this kid and it just baffled me how he didn't have a chance to play college sports. So I went to a junior college in Scranton, Pennsylvania called Lackawanna College now. And the same staff that coached me was still there. So I contacted him and my good friend, Coach Grandy, said, well, we looked at him and we're, we're really unsure about this kid. He looks okay, but he's not quite there yet. So we bypassed him. And I told Charlie, I'm like, look, Coach Randy, that's bull. You need to take a hard look at this kid. So the coach comes down, a few of their staff comes down to my gym, and we go out back and we're thrown around in a drainage ditch. And the drainage ditch has rocks and all, you know, it's not flat. And he's making unbelievable catches, one-hander, uh, you know, over the shoulder, diving. And after he was done, they're, they're like, look, we're going to sign him. So basically he goes up there, he gets hurt, and he had to come home. And they're like, look, look out for him. So Kevin comes down, he's training, he's doing the whole nine. And he eventually goes back, becomes an All-American there gets offered by West Virginia 
finishes up there, becomes a Bolitnikov finalist, and eventually the number seven pick by the Chicago Bears. And Kevin White's his name. He's right now he's playing with the San Francisco 49ers. And he is just an example of a guy who came into my gym with the chip stacked against him. And he really bought into the whole, like, um, the uh, me against the world, back against the wall mindset. Something that I really relished and something that I instilled in all my athletes. And basically teaching them being uncomfortable is what's going to help you thrive, not only in sports, but life as well. And that's a great story of somebody that just came into your gym and, you know, could have quit so many times and didn't and is now living their dream of being able to play in the NFL. And that's, that's a great story. Absolutely. Uh, let's move on to your business because you did talk a, a little bit about your uh, fast uh, performance business. Um, can you maybe talk a little bit about that company? And I know that you invented a couple of things as well. Uh, maybe talk about that and yeah, just your overall experience of your business that you uh, did have up until 2019. Yes. Yeah, so I started fast performance back in 2001 and basically, I started from the ground up. A lot of times, people who start business think that they need to have a business background. They think that maybe they need to go to college for that. I never did. I've always been entrepreneurial. I enjoyed making my own money, thinking of ways to earn. And basically, when I started it, I started out from my basement. And I would purchase a few items at a time and I would gradually purchase more. I would take zero percent cards and I would have a year to pay off big ticket items. So I would buy squat racks. I would buy barbells. I would purchase weights and I would slowly chip away. And when the card would come due at the end of the year, I would have everything pay paid off. So I gradually just purchase things and as I brought in more clients I would expand what I was doing and basically when I taught my teaching salary I lived with my training I would purchase more and more equipment and I never used that as like really extra in, in income to build my lifestyle I wanted that to be the expander for what I love to do. And, and that was coach and train. So eventually I owned everything inside my gym and I was able to really just be concerned about the rent and just in insurance and all that. So it really was a great model. I did very well. And I was really able to market to the elite athletes or younger athletes that wanted to be in a tough environment and I kind of molded my business around that. So I didn't need to have a pretty place. I didn't need to have mirrors. I didn't need any of the glitz and glamour because I didn't market that. So basically, it really helped me cut down on costs. So I think it's very important to be very lean, uh, not to have a lot of expenses, and basically never bite off more than you can choose and I, or, or uh, chew. And basically, I learned that when I was a young kid being poor, I had to be very 
uh, smart. I had to be creative, and that carried on to creating my gym. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I have some of the same values instilled in me by my parents, where you know they're saying things like, if you can't pay off the credit card, um, then do you really need to purchase whatever that is? Because you need to be able to, you know, pay off your credit card every month to, to try to manage my money as well. So I understand where you're coming in from the lean perspective. Yes. Um, now, you are also a podcaster, and you've also written a book called Why Not Me? Uh, can you maybe tell the listeners a little bit about um, the book as well as uh, how you came to choose the title of Why Not Me? All right, so Why Not Me is based off of my life story. As I mentioned earlier, I lost my mother and my father to cancer when I was in high school. And basically, I endured taking care of them and seeing them suffer from my freshman year all the way until the uh, day they passed away. And I really never was able to express all the deep down emotions and feelings that I had that I was never able to overcome after they had passed away. And I had a lot of self-destructive style. I wasn't a drinker in the sense that I would drink every single day, but when I would drink, I would drink on the weekends. I would binge drink and I loved playing blackjack. I loved going to the casino. So back in 2009, I had gotten laid off from my teaching job. At that point, I expanded my gym and I had a lot more time on my hand, our hands. And what happened was the casino moved into my town. And at first I went in there and I could play casually and kind of have a good time and not overextend my, myself, but soon I would leave my gym. I would have a few drinks and I would always make my way to the casino to gamble. And I would rifle through thousands of dollars and being such a conservative guy, being a frugal person, I didn't understand how I was able to have a limit of $2,000 a night that I would basically say I was all right with losing that. And that sounds completely absurd to a casual person, a regular Joe in the street hearing somebody would be willing to lose $2,000. And when I was drinking, it didn't bother me. But the next day when I would wake up, I'd be hungover. I'd feel uh, that, I, that I neglected my family and just the remorse and the sadness and just that, that feeling of being an inept father and husband just was killing me. And I lived this way for years, for years. I would go to my gym and I would train these athletes. I could inspire them and I could give them pep talks. I would go around and speak about my hardships that I encountered as a kid. I did all these things, but I was living a lie. So back in 2017, my daughter was about to turn 12 and the night before I went out, I drank, I went to the casino, I gambled, and I lost. And I came home, and I know that I told my wife numerous times that I was going to stop drinking. I wasn't going to gamble. And I came home, and I woke up, and I said to my wife, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm tired. I'm sick of feeling like crap every single day. 
waking up feeling like I've let everyone down. But more importantly, I was leaving myself down because I knew that I had so much potential. And then I, 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 I did so much, so much good up to that point. But there was just this empty feeling. So that day I said to myself, I'm done. So I went to AA and I went for 30 straight days. And I didn't have one drink and I was starting to feel good. And as I sat there, I saw a lot of men, a lot of people that struggled for years, 20, 30, 40 years. And they were attending AA every day, every single day for tens, 15, 20 years. And I said to myself, there's no way with all the goals I have and all the things that I need to get done that I can sit here and go to AA for all these years. So at that point, I stopped going. And I haven't had one drink, not a sip since that day. And after about a year uh, sober, probably, well, it was actually about eight months. My wife and I were talking and I was just unhappy with my training, my gym, and I needed change. And I wanted to become a college coach. And that's one thing that I always wanted to do. And the, the way you needed to, to approach that was by really taking a step backwards by going backwards. And I needed to get to a college. I needed to go and become an intern. So I contacted about a hundred schools and from a hundred schools, I had gotten contacted by, I think two. my age, I was at uh, 41 or 42 at the time. And nobody wanted a 42 year old intern. That's the same thing as being the 40 year old. Uh, you know, if you've ever watched it, the 40 year old, Virgin, right the guy who's never done done it but i was the most experienced first year guy in the entire world and it just bothered me i'm like i reached out to these guys and why am i not getting hit so eventually at that time i'm substitute teaching i have my gym i'm doing that and i received an email from fau so florida atlantic contacts me lane Kiffin, who's an outstanding coach, uh, was the head coach at that time, had just gotten there. And I thought to myself, wow, this is a younger coach. This guy's got a lot of passion. This may be a great fit. So I tell them that I'm going to go there and coach. And just before I was about to leave, the University of Alabama contacts me. And they're, they asked me, they're like, hey, would you like to come here and help us out? And if you know about uh, American football, Alabama is the place to be. Just won the national championship this past month. A lot of those guys, I, I helped train. So basically, I decided to go there. I told Florida Atlantic that I wasn't going, and I found a place and I went there. And I originally thought that I would go there for the summertime, but instead they asked me to stick around, and I was away from family. I ran my gym back home. And during that time, I kept a journal and I wanted to chronicle my journey, where I was, where I uh, had come from and where I was trying to go. And every day I would just take notes about the people, the feelings I had, how I felt about not being around my family, how I was fighting addiction. And every day I, I'd write. So the fall comes around, the football season comes and goes we get to the national championship game and lose to uh clemson at the time and they asked me they're like hey would you like to stay for the spring and now a four-month journey became 
eight months. And my wife and I talked and she's like, Jay, you're doing so well. You have to do it. And without sacrifice, you can never experience success. So during that time, I'm just struggling and thinking about my past and how I was able to overcome so much. And I just really got locked in on the day. So I'm writing, I'm planning, and I'm moving closer to becoming a college coach. And all the while there, I'm not being paid. And most people my age with the family, uh, with the gym up north, would need to have something coming in if you're going to take that risk. But I was paying for two places to live, and I just found a way to win. So eventually, I got hired by Louisiana Tech, and they have one of the top strength coaches in the entire world, a man named Kurt Hester. And Kurt Hester is your atypical person. He's a guy who's a lot like me. He's a grinder. He's a tough guy. He's someone that goes against the grain. So he gave me my first chance to become a hired coach. So what was a four-month experience was now leading into over a year. So I go to La Tech in Ruston, Louisiana is this tiny town. So during that time, I'm writing this book. And I would run the stadiums and I would do all this stuff. And what people don't know too, I was 251 pounds in January of 2019. And I was always in very good shape, but then I got a little bit heavier every year and I got to a point where I was just too big. So I decided to lose weight. So when I went down to tech, I was really losing all this weight. I was running, I was training and feeling really good. So every morning I'd wake up at four, I'd run the stadiums and I'd run a few miles and eventually I got down to 203 pounds. So I'm writing about this journey, this great journey. And it always came down to one thing. Why not me? I saw all these great coaches, legendary coaches like Nick Saban, Scott Cochran, who was a legendary strength coach at Bama, who's now the uh, special teams coordinator at Georgia. These are men that I wanted to follow, men that I wanted to emulate men that I wanted to really become. And I knew that I could, and I was finally living that dream. So basically, even though I wasn't getting paid the same as those guys in my mind, I would ask myself, why not me? So that's why I titled the book that, and I explained my journey of overcoming alcohol addiction, gambling, and taking risk and giving the strategies that have helped me get to this point. And right now I'm back home. I was able to get a job where now I drive an hour, but I'm with my family and I'm always moving forward. And it feels good being alcohol free, having a clear mind, having great health and all the things that I wanted to be and the way I pictured myself for all these years, who I wasn't and the facade that I had, the masquerade that I was playing, all that's behind me. And now I'm really fulfilling my life goals so why not me that's an amazing story and you're such a great storyteller um and during that story you mentioned about how that there was a, a hole or a void um it, it, and it sounds like that hole or that void is now complete and it's not there anymore is that uh fair to say well i think there's always a hole i think everybody has a hole that they're trying to fill up whether it's financially, emotionally, spiritually. Um, there's always something that we're trying to overcome. There's always something that we're trying to fill in the gaps. 
And I'm never a content person. Once I reach one goal, I always ask myself the same question. Why not me? Why can't I do that? I see something and I'm like, wow, that's a challenge. Let's try to get there. So basically, I'm never really settled. But the difference is I don't try to fill that void with emptiness. So you can't fill a void with empty space, if that makes sense. A lot of times people will reach out, want to kind of say, well, if I can do this, I'll feel this way. And maybe if I don't feel this way, I could do something else that's going to help me feel better, but I can do it without putting in the work. I think now I realize that life isn't easy. And once you figure out that life isn't easy, it becomes easier. So I don't need to reach for a bottle. I don't need to try to avoid tough con- conversations or tough experiences. I can just go and attack it. So basically, I think there's always a void, but I think that's a good thing. Because if you don't have any holes, any voids within your life, you're not being challenged and you can never grow.